He goes, I have a hunch, but you're doing so well. I like, no, because I still have the tingling sensation and the numbness in my feet. So there is something wrong. And I said, well, what do you think it is? And that's when he said, I think you have what's called multiple sclerosis. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, what is that? What are you talking about? I had to be an advocate for myself and keep pushing to let people know that there was something that was going on and something wasn't right. And I think we all had that inner voice that tells you when something's not right. Everyone has a story to tell, and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. Greetings, and welcome to the MS Diagnostic Journey podcast. I'm your host, Laura Kolaskowski, and I have with me today, Veronica Daniels-Lewis. Hi, Veronica. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, thank you for being willing to share your story with our listeners. To begin with, can you talk to me a little bit about what was physically wrong with you that caused you to go see a doctor that began your own MS diagnosis journey? Well, what I was going through is I had really bad, severe fatigueness, and I developed numbness and tingling in my feet. But what was going on at my time was an unusual situation is because I was uh, pregnant with my third child. So I was experiencing all these symptoms that kind of was being, I guess, covered up with my pregnancy because my uh, OBGYN doctor just really diagnosed me as just, you know, as a pregnancy symptoms and things that may have been going on with the pregnancy. And I had two small kids before, two sons, that I had a fast-paced life and my kids were younger. And it was just more, I guess, stress is what they thought that I was going through. But I, I as I now know now, I think MS was trying to hide his ugly little head behind my pregnancy, which was, I was so excited during my uh, period because I had two boys and I was finally getting my girl. Uh, so I was so excited about that, but I was experiencing so many different weird things that was going on at that time. I find that really interesting, Veronica, because we often hear that during pregnancy, MS symptoms abate, that they become very quiet and flare after after the pregnancy is run full term and you have a baby and you're saying your symptoms appear during your pregnancy. It could exactly my symptoms. Of course, Veronica has to be the opposite person. Uh, my symptoms actually happened during pregnancy, and as I go back into memory, Laura, uh, I, I think I may have had my very first experience with my very first son during pregnancy. I woke up one morning. Uh, and I had a crick in my neck, and I thought maybe I was just sleeping wrong or something like that. But two days later, I lost feeling in my left hand. Uh, it took us several months. I went to the doctor to figure out what was going on. I was working for a Fortune 500 company at the time and doing a lot of computer work. And so I was using a computer all the time. So they they said, well, hey, I think you have corporal tunnel syndrome, you know, because of what you do for your occupation. And I said, well, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe maybe I'm not sitting correctly. Maybe I need to do something different. So I kind of like chunked it up after that because it, it lasts about maybe three months. 
And then it came back. So I said, well, maybe they were absolutely right about the situation. But my second son, I actually had another little incident that happened. I went to lunch with a friend of mine at work and we were walking back from lunch and we're walking up the stairs and I just lost it. My legs just like stopped moving and I fell. Luckily, it was going up and not down because down probably would have been really bad. Oh, how frightening. Yeah. Yeah. And I it looked about five minutes before I can actually have feeling in my legs and they were able to move. And now that I'm more educated on this path in my journey of MS, I'll now know that maybe my body was overheated because being here in Houston, Texas, 110 degree weather during the summertime, I now know that my body was probably just overheated and had to kind of chill down for, for my nerve connections to work again. So as I just mentioned earlier to you, more and more that I tell the story that I was having problems during my pregnancy, I've started to find out that there are a lot of other people that actually had the same experience, that pregnancy didn't kind of put the symptoms at bay and uh, put MS at bay. It kind of, you know, exacerbated and it got worse. Yeah. Well, I find that fascinating because that's contrary to what the literature tells us. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's part of the value of this podcast is people can hear that we don't fit the mold necessarily of what the books teach us about MS. So when you went, went to the doctors, what kind of tests did they look at to be able to tell you this diagnosis? Well, and that was another thing. I I, I pretty much went through what my 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 daughter, which is my third pregnancy, the whole nine months was just absolutely miserable. I just had so many things going on with my body that I couldn't explain. I was having, like I said, the numbness and tingling in my feet. Uh, and my OB-GYN at that time said, well, I think maybe the baby is maybe located somewhere that is touching a nerve. So basically, I had to go through the whole nine months of pregnancy before they were willing to do anything or, or test for anything. So actually, after delivery, I experienced one last little episode uh, after delivery. The next day, it's like my hip locked. And because I actually had a very fast delivery uh, with no important help as in drugs. So she came naturally. Uh, so it was a lot of stress. So my hip locked and I wasn't able to move my leg. And it took about maybe a week or so before I was actually got that sensation back. But after that situation, she says, I think something really is going on here. Uh, I'm going to send you to a neurologist uh, for further testing. So I actually went to, uh, took her advice and went to a neurologist. And he said, okay, let's start some testing. So we did do blood work. Uh, we did an MRI and he did some uh, dis- neurological testing. But the thing is, Laura, I kept passing all the tests and I did well in, in the grading when they tested. He says, well, I'm really not sure what's going on. He goes, I, I have a hunch, you know, but, you know, you're you're doing so well. I like, no, because I still have the tingling sensation and the numbness in my feet. So there is something wrong. You know, he goes, well, I'm going to tell you what I really think it is. But, you know, I'm just kind of a little leery about saying it is because you're you're still doing well on your test. And I said, well, what do you think it is? And that's when he said, I think you have what's called multiple sclerosis. 
So that took took a while for him to say that out loud to you then. Exactly. So like I said, the OBGYN had no clue. She she didn't know, but it like I said, I had to go through the nine months of that. And then I had to go through the testing part of it. And I think in the back of his, in his head, he just kind of knew, he knew, you know, even though I was doing well on the testing, he's, he, I think he really did know in the back of his head. So were you familiar with multiple sclerosis? Did you know what it was? No, I did not. I think we all go through that uh, thing when someone says, I think it's multiple sclerosis. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, what is that? What are you talking about? You know, so no, I have not heard anything about it, had any knowledge of it at that particular time. Now, that's one thing I did do, because after he told me that, and that was the very first doctor, I didn't believe it because I've always been an athletic person. I didn't believe what he was saying. So I had a friend of mine that was also a doctor, uh, and he was in another field. So I was mentioning to him what was going on. And he said to me, I have a friend that's a neurologist. I don't believe that's what's going on either, but I have a friend that's a neurologist. I'm going to refer you to him and let him check you out. And he's also specializes in neurological diseases. So I said, well, hey, that sounds good to me. So I decided to make an appointment with him. And ironically, that is the person I've been with for the last 27 years. But I made an appointment with him. And he says, well, you know, I, I, you're looking well, but we'll have to run some tests again and let me figure out what's going on here. So he repeated the test that the first doctor did. And the only thing differently that he did is that he we also did a spinal tap. And the first doctor did not do the spinal tap. Uh, uh, and so he did the spinal tap, but it came back uh, with the enzymes, I guess, in the spinal fluid that they're looking for, right. that it was uh, MS. So from start to finish, from your, let's say, from your birth of your daughter, your third child, to your diagnosis, how long did it take? I would say actually a, a full year. So if we put in the nine months of, of uh, pregnancy and then the back and forth to the doctors, we're maybe saying approximately maybe two years, two and a half years or so before I officially got a diagnosis. I ask that just because for people listening, you know, getting a diagnosis with MS rapidly is very unusual and it often takes a period of time and lots of patience and perseverance to get answers. I agree. I agree with that. Like I said, I was doing very well as far as passing the test. I guess I was more experiencing the invisible symptoms of MS. So that's why I guess they didn't really believe that things were going on. You know, uh, even though physically outside, I look great. And as we all hear that, <laughs> you know, but inside, you know, there was so many things going on and I, I had to be an advocate for myself and keep pushing to let people know that there was something that was going on and something wasn't right. And I think we all had that inner voice that tells you when something's not right. Did you ever, after you were diagnosed, did you doubt your diagnosis and think it could be something else? You know what? I would say yes. I didn't think it was really MS. I thought maybe it was just something neurological because I was experiencing a lot of lower back pain. Uh, so I'm thinking, hey, maybe they're wrong with this situation. Maybe it's all along that it is a pinched nerve, uh, something protruded or something like that. Uh, so yes, I, I did think that. 
Yeah, because I think just hearing out of the blue that, guess what, you have multiple sclerosis can take us so off guard unless we're already familiar with it or have family members who've had the disease and understand it a little better. So was there anything in your diagnosis journey you think that you could have done differently or should have done differently? I, I, I do. And I actually talk about that to my group members. I'm actually a volunteer with the National EMS Society. I became a self-help group leader with the National EMS Society. I kind of wear a lot of different hats with the society because I felt that I wanted to make my voice heard and be able to help those who are living with MS. I started my group about uh, in 2015, actually it's been seven years, and I started off with five different people. I now have an email list of over 206 of people living in my community. So it is growing. As, as I stated before, I was diagnosed in 1996. There was not a lot of information out there in 1996. And also, I would like to share, I am a woman of color. I am a, a Black American. There was not a lot of access to information in that arena also. So you've always heard that MS was a disease of, of Caucasian women and and not really people of of color, which is I now know leading my group because I have many of of, of different ethnicities in my group. That yes, it, it can affect everyone. So I would have done a lot of things differently as far as exercising. As much as they talk about exercising now, that was not really expressed a lot back in 1996. Uh, of more of, of, of doing exercise. You were kind of like more like, oh, you need to take it easy, you know, to just kind of rest and stuff like that. But being more active and, and keeping on track with that, I always tell my members uh, in my group is to make sure you keep an exercise plan. Make sure you monitor your walking. Uh, make sure you're changing your eating habits because even nutrition wasn't really uh, addressed back then and there too. And I've always been a good eater. So I was always on a good part of that because I've always been into vitamins, holistic kind of things. So that was good for me. But I, I know a lot of people, as we talk about it, like, oh, I don't do that. Oh, I probably should. And I'm like, yes, you need to really take advantage of these situations now uh, and try to get control as much as possible. Would you have, Veronica, any advice for anyone who might be suspecting that they have multiple sclerosis and are trying to do this diagnosis journey on their own? Do you have any advice for them? The advice that I would uh, give to them is to be an advocate for yourself. Everybody knows their own body and they know what you're capable of doing. And when you see things that are not right, make sure you use your voice. Be persistent. You know, let the doctors know how you feel. And, and what's going on uh, with you. Do your own research also, because there's been situations that I had to present things to doctors and just kind of question it and, and let them know, hey, I've seen this information. I know this particular test or whatever is going on out there, and I would like to be a part of that. You know, so sometimes they have to do the research and find the answers too, but don't be afraid to use your voice. So, well, there you have it. You've been listening to the MS Diagnosis Journey, and you heard Veronica very clearly say, use your voice, be your own advocate. Don't expect to fit the mold of what the textbooks say MS is like, and be prepared to advocate until you get the right answers. 
So I would like to thank Veronica for taking the time today to share her story. Veronica, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we sign off? I also want to tell you guys be in the importance of joining a self-help group because being in a group of people that's looking and talking and acting or feeling just like you is so important. Is You just feel so empowered that you're able to share information and share things that are going on in your MS journey. So make sure that you're able to take part in a self-help group, whether it's in person or online. Right now with the pandemic, it's made a very disconnection for everyone that we're able to connect with each other on Zoom because I know my meetings are now being held on Zoom. So I I will just leave is to make sure that you uh, join a self-help group, uh, keep abreast of what's going on and to help you live your best life. Well, again, thank you, Veronica. I'm sure there's a lot that people will take away from your story. And you've been listening to the MS Diagnosis Journey. Be sure to watch for this on where you subscribe to your podcast and look for future episodes. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. Thank you. Thank you.